open up your books, you bad apples. Wow, 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 wow. That's not for the show. If that ended up on the show, my my uh, audio testing sessions, I'm going to quit. <laughs> and I just want that out here right now. For everyone listening at home, I want them to know that I am not going to let Cole push me into whatever little corner he has planned so that he can make this his perfect book podcast because I can't be held down, baby. You know what I mean? I won't be. Not only can I not be, but I will not be. Well, too bad. <laughs> it's staying in the, the final cut. Uh, I'm editing it as we speak. You know what? I'm fine with that. Um, hello, everyone. Bad Apple Book Club here. Lucas Nord. I'm your other host, Cole Lang. And today, after, after four weeks of... Jumping in uh, head first with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a book written by a counterculture icon, Ken Kesey. He participated in the government's MK Ultra projects and, you know, worked at a, a mental institute and he hung out with, uh, with mental patients, but he's like, these guys don't seem so bad, and they're not. Uh, and then he put those characters in his book because... None of the guys in the book seem so bad. Nah, he hung out and with a bunch of vets. You know, I'm going to be a vet vets. one day and... Oh, sure. Uh, you know, maybe I'll run in, run into uh, Ken Kesey. Maybe I'll be put in a MK Ultra program. Maybe I've already been in a MK Ultra program. I don't now, know. Now, see, that was one of the goals was to... Fill your head with so much acid that you didn't even know they did it to you. And then you just think you lost two weeks of your life to, well, I don't know, like, <clears throat> a common thing with uh, alien abductions is missing time, where someone's just walking down a street at five in the afternoon, and then they wake up, and it's three days later, and they don't know what happened, and maybe they have some weird little punctures from the alien needles, Ooh. or, I don't know, it's, I mean, that's just a very common theme. Are um, you, you've experienced this or? No, never once. Closest thing I personally ever got to anything paranormal. Uh, I've had sleep paralysis a few times. Uh. And, and they say that like, well, like the idea of sleep paralysis is like a demon holding your soul down or something while your body is still awake. Because for people that don't know, you just wake up and you can't move. Yep. And... I never saw anything when I was doing it, and then I remember the night before it happened again, I was talking to someone. Oh, yeah, you know, I've had it a time or two. It's kind of weird. Never saw anything. And then that night, I got it. And then that night, I was sleeping on my back, and I was in a dark room, and I was like, and there's something standing in the corner. Oh, hell yeah. And it was just this, like, it was just this, like, big, tall, black thing. Um, about as paranormal as I'm getting, though, I think I probably saw a UFO one time, but who hasn't? Um, for anyone that can't tell, the boys kind of just, we, we kick our shoes off during these review episodes. We're going to talk about McMurphy. We're going to talk about the nurse. We're going to talk about Chief. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the ward. We're going to talk about counterculture. We're going to talk about it all, baby. I mean, if you've been caught up to this point, you already know the story. 
uh, one very special listener told me that they had not seen the movie or read the book, so we got to just lay it all out there for them. Really? Yes, absolutely. And I have watched the movie since last week. Kind of treated it like a miniseries, watching whatever, like 40-minute <laughs> chunks here and there. Uh, so different. Yes. And once again, we'll just get to that. But before we do... Um, did you maybe have anything specific that you wanted to throw out there? Maybe you wanted to get the ball rolling with a specific theme, or maybe you went to, like, Switzerland in the last week or something like that? No. Anything? Uh, Nothing at all? No. Second wave, man. It's here. Um, Yeah? You know. I didn't think the first one ever left. Well, in America, you know, they're still riding that wave, but we've hit this Ah. second wave, so... Traveling's not advised at, at this base specifically. Um, a lot of Americans sure. are getting some some heck because you know I think a lot of the cases have been Americans lately. So weird, yeah. Who um, thought just you and everyone else just be safe. Of course, you know? of course. I'm not a- I'm not asking for much. Yeah, trick or treat, but do it safely. Uh, from the comforts of your own home. See, who doesn't remember the days of yore of just setting a bowl of candy on the front step? And then, you know, of course, a couple of the little little um, bozos are going to, you know, take two handfuls. But, well, I mean, I suppose sticking your hands in bowls full of candy isn't exactly sanitary now that I think about it. Yeah, I don't huh. know how they're gonna you know do what? Halloween this year, man. Like, uh, maybe we maybe we just do skip Halloween this year. You know, it's not like anyone's having fun anymore. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm having I'm having fun in my personal Halloween ways of watching a horror movie a day. I wanted to talk about all of them on the podcast, but I'm not gonna do that. But I will say, uh, all four of the Wreck movies. Uh, Spanish found footage. Good stuff. Third one's kind of weak, but man, the rest of them are good stuff. Like I said, though, um, I'm not going to talk about that over the whole podcast because we have a book to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll start off with themes and my my first discussion topic, my first question for you, Lucas. What, what was... Your favorite theme in this, or what resonated with you the most here? I suppose the first one that comes to mind would be the theme of Chief starting off as a quote-unquote, you know, tiny man. He's had all the all the life sapped from him. He saw the same thing happen to his dad, mm-hmm. um, and through McMurphy's. Once again, very strange, like, intense passion for helping this group of guys. He got Chief back to his normal size to where he was big enough to pick up the big old control switch and throw it through the window. Yeah. And even big enough to even big enough to suffocate what life was left in the shell that was McMurphy at the end of the yes, book. Yes, the ward's own um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, pretty much. We were talking about that before. And this one is very obvious compared to, well, like I've said, we've talked about the Clockwork Orange comparisons that I still wasn't quite able to nail down. But, like, McMurphy, 
I mean, I don't remember Jesus being so flawed in the Bible. <laughs> Got to be honest. It's been a few years since I picked one up. But uh, it's been a few days for Jesus me. Jesus and McMurphy. Yeah, yeah, of course. If Jesus and McMurphy are supposed to be a one-to-one, like, was Jesus, was he hanging out with uh, Aunt Candy all day? Or? Wait, I don't dude, actually Dude, actually, yeah, he had a um, promiscuous uh, girlfriend, I believe. Was that the one chick from the Bible? The one in the inn? Mary, what's her face? Is it my... Uh, I can't remember. Mary Magdalene? That sounds familiar, but, you know, like wow. I said, it's not... It's been a few days since I picked up the Bible yeah. and read into Jesus's love life. But, yes, I think he did have a... Aunt Candy. Questionable relationship. Yeah, <laughs> he had his very own uh, candy, which is pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Like I was saying, I suppose that that's kind of the big obvious one i've kind of been beat over the head with like themes and books that i probably still haven't picked up on but that one seems pretty obvious and it obviously led somewhere with chief well not only regaining his size but also clearing the mental fog that he shrouded in through a good chunk of the book yes yeah and i think so you finished the movie Yes, I did. Okay. I think, well, I've mentioned it before, but the movie is like so surface level and um, that stuff with the fog and the wires and machines, uh, you know, not even really mentioned in the movie or anything. I'd love to see a remake that actually has those elements in it because I think it does serve the story well. Um, Ooh, and then picture, picture if in the remake, they like, they like showed how Nurse Ratched started being so awful all the time. Yeah, that's what I want to <laughs> Maybe see. a Netflix series. Even though, yeah, even though we've said it, I've heard nothing but good things. And even if that is only from my mom and grandma and one other person, that's still technically 100%. Hey, my mom... That's that's three for three. My mom said that it was good as well, so it's got a double mom uh, certification. You heard it here. And when you think about it, my grandma is also a mom, so that's three right there. three moms. You heard it here, folks. Um, Yeah, watch the show. Not related (laughs) at all to the book. Um, Books not really related to the movie. Uh, I could literally probably talk about that for three hours, but we have time for that. Um, What specific themes of the book stood out to you? Was it maybe the Jesus and McMurphy kind of arc that we see through the whole thing or was there maybe even something a little more specific that called to you Hmm. i think i i did like the jesus uh comparisons there right but i think for the most part what i enjoyed the most was the like self-expression and how you can't cage this this guy and how you just can't um close off personalities for people and just seeing chief finally be free. That was amazing. And 
Yeah, like I, I just like the idea of self-expression in this. Uh, I, I thought the setting for it, there's no better setting for it, is so unique. So bland. Yeah, yeah. Just run by this this nurse ratchet who is um, quite the character, I think. And yes, yeah, like it, it's um, obviously exaggerated, but. I mean, this this could have been like a real life situation uh, for people 50 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, it doesn't seem too crazy other than, you know, the fact that it's like a specific place in a specific setting, which is kind of what books and movies are when you think about it mm-hmm. uh, or something. McMurphy and Ratchet going head to head the whole time. We really do not get a single, like, redeeming quality out of Ratchet either. And it's not like she's asking for it, but even, like, from the first page, she makes an appearance in the book. Chief is probably talking about how scary she is or how awful she is, and he's not wrong. No. But, um, yeah, I don't know. She's a very interesting antagonist. Not so, not so obvious with the Peter Petrovich you know, trying to steal your family member away from you and rip the rest of your family apart, or Svidregliov. Man, when was the last time you said that name? Ooh. Huh? Started this podcast <laughs> back in, like, June or something Oof, like that. Uh, Holy moly. Bad. I think it was back in June. Yeah, yep. Back in June. Wow. Yeah, we are Wow. quarter one down. Yeah, we are. Yeah, but we got a lot of quarters to go, but I thought... I suppose. I thought Nurse Ratched, it was really interesting because, I don't know, I, I don't feel like it's too common to have, like, a, vil- a villain that's a female and as right. a matriarch as well. So I thought that was really interesting. You know, very, very controlling. And... Oh, yeah. Um, the movie shows that a lot, but... I don't think it really captured like her robotic movements that well or like sure. uh, just how she's part of the machine. I don't think it really. That might be. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I just I was just going to say that when you when I first watched the movie, I was like, oh, it's just a regular nurse going about her day. But then when you read the book, it's like, oh, no, there's actually a lot more to her. Like there's. Right. There's so many details, like the laughing that's been taken away from the ward and yep. just overall not having a good time. It's like 2020 that's just in, one, in a room, kind of. Not having a good yeah. time. <laughs> um, I think that the one credit I will completely give the movie, not over the book, is that I think, even though you're saying that there's a lot more depth to her in the book, which makes sense, I think that they probably more accurately captured Nurse Ratched than McMurphy because he's boisterous in the book. He's kind of doing his thing, but holy crap, in the movie, he's, you know, hopping up and down and spraying people with hoses and kissing guards on the forehead and all that stuff. That just, I got gripes with it. Still a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, McMurphy, he's portrayed a little bit differently. I think 
there's a lot of events in the book that really didn't make in it or make it into the movie. So I've been taking this cinema class and I think I found like the perfect dude that could have played McMurphy. Ooh. It was a, are, are you familiar with the Andy Griffith show? Uh, the one from 200 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, but no lie. He was in this movie. Andy Griffith himself was in this movie called a face in the crowd. And it's about this like uh con man that makes mm. his way up into the media and eventually like is just like the biggest star in the world because he's got this big booming voice and like just totally controls the room when he walks in like McMurphy does in the book and in the movie a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I thought he would have been a great choice for it. It was a pretty good movie. If you got time to check it out, would highly recommend. I'm watching a lot of good stuff on that. We just watched rear window uh, by Alfred Hitchcock, ah, Hitchcock. And that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I've heard good things. I've heard good things about that Hitchcock guy in You general. know, I think I think he's had a little something to do with horror and how it's just a little bit. Just uh, maybe yeah. thrillers a bit too. Still an up and comer in the directorial world from what yeah I yeah i heard christopher nolan has really been tutoring him these days uh yeah um the only hitchcock movie i ever saw was psycho that's a that's good one still a good one yeah i've seen yeah i've seen psycho vertigo and um yeah now rear window but i want to see the birds next i think that'd be fun tippy hedron yep S- speaking of birds uh, cuckoo, okay, where's he gonna go? Where's he gonna go? Nest. Um, oh god! Uh, you know there there's a goose that picked up Chief, and what did what did you think of Chief as a narrator in this uh, book? And do you think do you think the movie misses out from not having him? Oh, he didn't even play that big of a role in the movie, to be honest. And it kind of makes no. me mad. Um. They absolutely missed out. But once again, I swear I'm going to say this a hundred <laughs> times by the time we're done recording. The book and the movie are like so different. And even if they tried to work it in, which they obviously didn't, I don't think it would have translated very well because as we're talking about, like even a 2020 remake of this movie starring Ryan Gosling as R.P. McMurphy wouldn't really work though because like if they actually showed the wires that chief sees in the fog and stuff i feel like that's just a important part of the book to kind of try to visualize for yourself you know and it's not to be taken quite so literally i wouldn't say personally but that's just me i think i think the best way to show it would be like a pink floyd music video the where it's very psychedelic because this book is very i think it's like very um psychedelic in some ways and how chief describes all this stuff like because at first i thought he was serious and then (laughs) i was like oh it's a you know it's a metaphor for the machine this big government machine in society but i think but i think 
Taylor Lautner would play a great chief in the (laughs) remake. Yep. Yep. Still, has that been your October movie list is the Twilight (laughs) uh, Quintology? How many movies are there? there? Uh, I don't actually care. Yeah, but like Um, I... Everyone says it's a romance movie, but man, those movies scare me. Those movies are spooky. Yeah, oh yeah, perfect for Halloween watching. But actually, um, Chief's just a cool narrator. He's inside his head the whole book, pretty much, except for little tidbits with McMurphy. Um, And he also works perfectly as the double-faceted... Uh, elephant in the room on top of being the narrator this big quiet guy we talked about the treatment of the indigenous peoples of the united states or whatever and he's just this big metaphor for the mistreatment by well what pretty much everyone since is the word colonization of the u.s i didn't mean to get so whoa lucas you're sounding to you're sounding a bit like me well no, because this is history. I won't talk about anything that happened in the last 10 years, but I'm pretty sure all that stuff happened more than 10 years ago. I'm not a history uh, professor or anything like that. Chief's just cool, though, man. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of him? Chief, he is a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was a fun journey to see this through Chief's eyes. You know, him and McMurphy's relationship I thought was very fun, and it wasn't really fleshed out in the film, I thought. No. Um, But, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah, we keep on. It is a good movie, but, like, uh, it's just, like, it's one of those. It separates. It's the perfect movie for someone that isn't even going to think about reading the book yeah now once and that's what i get to say because i read the book yeah i don't want to be like that snob either but like i wonder how many people uh actually know that nurse ratchet is like or ratchet on netflix is actually based off of one flew over the cuckoo's nest because i don't think they like mention it or anything in the description oh how could they it's a prequel show yeah, and a very <laughs> just a little joke for you. <laughs> a very unneeded well, see, one, but oh yeah. See, I could literally picture it being like, well, you know, we could call the show whatever we want. Like some dummy punched up this stupid show about some nurse that doesn't exist in any other universe. But then they're like, but wait a second, we have this like existing name from this other show. And then instead of this just being about a completely new character, we make it about a character some people know about. And then, you know, that's like, um, I can't actually remember any specific sequels, but a lot of movies have done that where, like, you know, this isn't an actual example, but, like, the third Terminator. Okay, there we go. Perfect example. Hellraiser. There are, like, ten movies in that series ever since it started in 87, but the last, like, five of them have started off as, like, one-off, like, procedural cop drama, like, um, psychological thriller stuff, but then they're like, yeah, but how about we just throw Pinhead in there and call it Hellraiser 19, (laughs) and then that means we already have a type of built-in audience. 
I, I don't imagine that's actually what they did for the Ratchet thing, but it just sounds so ridiculous that that's what I'm going to say they did. Yeah. I'm very passionate about it. And we've, I've only <laughs> seen like two episodes, so I, I don't know. I still haven't uh, had time to make a judgment on it. I haven't had time to watch anything, right. to be honest. Uh, hey, that's just how it that's works. How, just, just my cinema class. That's all I watch. Um, yeah, I think... When I'm listening to this episode, I'm gonna hear I'm gonna hear myself the whole time. Like anytime you mention the movie, just a little. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to bring it back? But up? once again, <laughs> yeah. But once again, it is a good movie. It's just like the movie I picture someone would make if they thumbed through the book or heard about this building full of crazy people. I don't know. It's also hard to visualize when you're reading the book. It could just be. Like you were saying, the movie is 2D and the book is 3D in that you just kind of see what you're supposed to see with the movie, Mm -hmm. obviously. But with a book, you get to kind of conjure up your own mental image. And I don't know. At least, like, I think that the setting was very nice in the movie, too. Oh, the setting was perfect. And a lot of the casting was good, too. I was just going to say, it wasn't until I finished it, but I got a little... I got a rap sheet of, like... Maybe not super famous names, but of people I recognized in there. And we'll obviously start off with Jack Nicholson. You know, The Shining, A Few Good Men, whatever. It's got Danny DeVito. All the kids know who he is these days. Yeah. It's got Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. I think his first Uh, film, I want to say. I know that Brad Dourif, who voices... um, He's mostly known for voicing Chucky in all the Child's Play movies. He was 19 uh, and played Billy Bibbit. This was his first movie, I'm oh, pretty maybe sure. It's him, and, yeah. and a smaller one that uh, people probably wouldn't recognize. He's more known for, like... Well, he's just known for being really ugly. Uh, his name is Michael Berryman. He was the guy, like, strapped up to the wall in the movie with the bald head. And towards the end, when they're partying, they're like pouring booze in his IV drip for him drinking yep, stuff. Yep. He he started off in, like, um, The Hills Have Eyes yeah. from 1978, directed by Wes Craven. He's really, like, uh, people know Michael Berryman just because he's, I think he's got alopecia or something. He's got a very distinct face. Yeah. And I was just amazed seeing all the very i mean personally very recognizable actors that i've seen in something that i really enjoy or once again like jack nicholson who just everyone who's watched a movie older than 30 years old you know would know (laughs) yeah i I don't know i feel like most of the kids still know who he is i don't know man Louise Fletcher, too. She played Nurse Ratchet, but I don't know her from anything else. But she's good in the movie. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of weird is that um, Christopher Lloyd plays Tabber or Tabor. And. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't. He's mentioned in the book, but he's basically like the precursor to McMurphy. So it was kind of weird to have like two of the same uh, oh. characters in the same room. but That is kind of interesting. Yeah. Who was the guy that jumped in the pool in the book? Wasn't that Cheswick? Ches- yeah, Cheswick was supposed to uh, drown in the pool. Kill himself. And, uh, yeah. But, Stick his fingers in the but drain. But he made it in this one, so... 
Yeah. Yeah, he makes it through the movie. I guess the only big character that we do lose, not that Cheswick was a huge character in the book, but McMurphy's pretty much the odd man out in the movie. I can't really think of any of those other big, like, repercussions carrying over. Well, of course, there's Billy, too. Yeah. Yep. Complete, completely forgot about that from seeing the movie the first time, so I'm not going to call it a pleasant surprise that he killed himself, <laughs> but I'm glad that I didn't remember it. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah? Did you perhaps have a, another order of business for us to get to? Um, I guess I just have one more. McMurphy. Whoa. Um, what? what uh, if you were to, like, psychoanalyze him or, like... What what do you think? What what do you think's going on with McMurphy? You think he's a hero? Do you think he's um, self serving? Was Nurse Ratched's uh, battle against him justified? I think everything you said is kind of how I feel about him. He seems when he swindles the guys out of their money, he seems completely self centered. Then he takes them all out on a boat trip for whatever reason. He made a little money off of that too, but it still kind of seems like uh, one for the boys either way. And obviously everyone has a good time in the book and the movie doing all that kind of stuff. But we've seen him, you know, completely do a 180 when he actually learns that he doesn't get to leave when he thinks he does. He ends up killing himself for the ward pretty much but once again who's to say that wasn't from a completely self-serving place because the real thing that does that to him is nurse ratchet you know telling him that he's gambling with lives and then he wraps his hands around her neck yeah and rips um, her shirt off yeah rips her shirt off but it's really hard to pin him down all i can if i could say that i can confidently phrase it this way he's not like crazy or anything he knows what he's doing is right or wrong he's got a shit-eating grin on his face when he steals the boat and you know carries dr spivey overboard for them to take (laughs) off it's not like he knows any better there um he's just he's pretty hard to nail down i think that he's dubious in pretty much everything he does but once again he still ends up pretty much sacrificing well, yeah, sacrificing everything for the guys on the war. Yeah. And then they don't even stick around for the end of the book. So it's, what did it really equal <laughs> it's out like, to? Yeah, it's <laughs> like McMurphy dies and they're like, well, I'm out. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Yep. All right. Oh, kind of weird. Ooh. It's going to be it's gonna be kind of weird looking this vegetable in the face for the next three years. Nurse Ratched years. still has him on the bed for a symbol of uh, <laughs> don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, man. Hey. How about an awesome part of the book? The idea of Chief thinking, yeah, she's just going to stare at McMurphy's vegetative body every day for the rest of time. But then Chief's like, nah, man, I'm taking you with me. No. And then, yeah, he puts his whole whole weight down on him and just uh, suffocates him a little. And what a perfect middle finger on the way out. Yeah. Kind of funny to refer to killing someone as a middle finger. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> a bit flawed, Chief. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, not a... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that I do agree with his choice. Oh, I do, too. It's um kind of solidifying the end of an era 
like nurse ratchets absolutely uh regime or regime french or it's italian uh <laughs> thank you thank you corrected myself yep. uh <laughs> Very but nice. yeah i don't blame chief for his actions at the end because it was kind of like I feel like it was his final thing he had to do before he could escape. He couldn't he couldn't leave McMurphy like that, you know? The man right. who made oh. him big again. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. I didn't even think of phrasing it that way. I only saw it as not letting um, Ratchet have the last laugh. That but it was also like a mercy killing of Chief to not allow McMurphy to live out the rest of his days being spoon-fed mush. Yeah, and... I just wanted it to go oh, back. That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, that that would be fun. <laughs> uh, nope. But but at the same time, it would be kind of fun Ooh. to have Chief Uh-oh. and McMurphy, you know, just living out life, and like Chief taking care of McMurphy. But that would probably be kind of depressing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of depressing at the same time. But I I, I like. Uh... I like where you're going with it. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, thinking back on McMurphy and his like his Jesus uh identity. I I, I just had this yeah, I just had this thought. But okay, so Jesus is like this Marvel superhero. He has no flaws, you know, he's like and, and you know, Captain which could America. be true. Who knows? Who knows, you know? But I think that sure. Murphy is like the Watchmen or the boys version of Jesus, where it's like, this is what Jesus was actually like, you know. Not your mama's <laughs> Not, Jesus. Yeah, he was Jesus's brother. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Randall Patrick Christ, we might call yeah, him. Yeah, RPC. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> RPM. Yeah, hey. Um, that's a nice way of putting it though. Uh, yeah. Cause I, a more modern, a more modern idea of it. Uh, warts and a Jesus, a 21st you know? century. Well, 20th century Jesus, you know, like he, some sure. people say the Bible is outdated and yeah, we gotta, we gotta up it to like, we need a new Jesus, like that Russian Jesus man that, uh, just oh, arrived. they just have a new one of those. Yeah, but he got arrested, oh, so wow. it just like feeds. Ooh, it just ouch. feeds the flame when you arrest, you know, these leaders because the same yeah, thing happened to makes... Jesus. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I suppose that that is just. It is a really interesting way of looking at Big Murphy as once again the warts and all. You know, he's got his flaws right away in the beginning of the book. Uh, I wasn't sure if they would ever touch back on it, and they didn't, but they, of course, make mention of his statutory rape mm-hmm. um, case or whatever. And, you know, he says, oh, swear she told me she was 17, and, you know, it was a real real fight trying to keep her out of my drawers, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but at the same time... I wasn't time. sure if they would ever come back to that, because... <sighs> It seemed like such a perfect little seedlet for this character that's already so strange. McMurphy's not perfect, and I I wonder how many people come away from reading the book 
And they have that scene in the movie, too. And watching the movie, I'm probably thinking, yeah, he's the coolest guy alive. He was sticking it to that nurse. I just, I don't think that this book has a perfect character. And I'm not sure, with our track record, I'm not sure that we'll ever get to a book with a likable (laughs) protagonist. Very true. Like, Alex Raskolnikov... I think, I suppose McMurphy's technically the most redeemable or whatever, but, like, we're kind of off to a shaky start here. Yeah. So I guess it'll have to be, we'll have to do, like, um, well, all eight Harry Potter books for this series. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Yeah, because Voldemort like is Harry the Potter. main He's a character. good boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Harry Potter is very, very black and white. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... No, that brings up a good point. We this is the Bad Apple oh. Book Club, so we cover nothing but yes, bad apples. Uh, yeah, that that was definitely what we yeah, had planned. Yeah, out. of course, of course, we have plans. Yep. Um, yeah, we do. <laughs> we don't. This record is everything the we're saying right now. Everything, everything we're saying right now is even meticulously scripted. <laughs> We've had this conversation mapped out for three months. <laughs> Before the podcast even started. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, that brings up a good point about McMurphy. I've said it before, but he just has these impulses uh, that are really bad gambling and, you know, very sexually driven. But at the same time, you listen to freaking rock music of the 70s yeah, and 80s. And they talk about 16 and 17-year-old girls. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean. So specific. You you hear these songs and it's, you know, it could be going back to teenage days, but like, it's like, but I I can't think of the specific song uh, by, I believe, the, the Cars, but it's like, and she's only 17. Uh, and it's like, ah, geez, (laughs) (laughs) not something to be bragging about there, bud. Yeah. It's, uh, that's just, I'm about to commit a crime. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be fun, but it's not going to age well, uh, for me. Um, I suppose with that, should we, should we have our full blown discussion on the movie? I mean, as full blown as I can get. I Uh, mean, yeah, Unless I you mean, had anything else book book related? Honestly, as far as the movie goes, I pretty much got all my thoughts on the paper on the mic. Really, um, unless unless you had uh, anything else. Well, you know, it's nothing I haven't already said, but so different. Seems like uh, seems like something. Like I said, seems like someone hears about a book that takes place in a mental asylum. So. There's the guy in the corner who's, like, spinning on his head, and there's, like, the guy that does jumping jacks all day, every day, and then, I mean, some of it was portrayed well. You got your guy in the corner with the chainsaw. Guy in the corner with the chainsaw? What what do you think this is, a Toby Hooper Halloween classic? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That's that's Uh, how the haunted houses are, man. Oh, that is how the... Ah, very good. (laughs) Hey, even a callback to the first episode. See, that's what keeps me coming back to the show. Constant callbacks, constant referencing to the show. That's what I love about the Bad Apple Book Club podcast. Yeah. 
Um. Um. Oh God. <laughs> you know what? I probably said everything I wanted to about the movie too. It's fine. I feel passionately about it. Yeah. My whole life. Well, starting this year, since I've read so many books, like after watching the movies a hundred times, uh, I do find that I usually do prefer the books, just because of like literally everything. But I guess if you don't want to read, then uh, what are you listening to a book podcast for? For one, and for two, just just go watch the movie. Okay, it's the same exact thing. Every difference we've been talking about has been a lie up to this point. The movie is pitch perfect. It, well, it did get a lot of awards, and I think it is good before you read the book. But once you read the book, it's like, uh, the movie could have done a bit there, better, we, but it's still good. He, he wasn't riding around on anyone's shoulders to throw a basketball in a hoop, for God's sake. There you go, once again, with like the purely cinematic angle like what is this actually doing other than once again showing us how crazy mcmurphy is look at he's teaching a bunch of crazy people how to play basketball like what am i supposed to be gathering from this like i said i feel very strongly about it uh well did you want to give a score on the on the on the book one floor of the cuckoo's nest before we officially wrap it up Man, parting is such sweet sorrow. Uh, yes. That's another literary well, reference. Um, do not cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Yeah, uh, there you go. I don't know what that's from, but I've heard it. It's just a phrase. Okay, all right, Shakespeare. He wrote that one too. Sure. From yeah, what probably. I've heard, yeah. Um, ooh, I've been thinking about this one. I okay. gotta admit, this was probably top three books of the year for me. Uh, Very nice. Don't know where it comes in, but you know, it's up there. Top three so far. Maybe, well, definitely top 10 of all time so far. I keep on saying so cool. far because I know I'm going to be reading a lot more books. Um, well, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the idea yeah, there, pal. This is a podcast, um, but yeah, it is. If I had to give it a final re- rating, uh, reading rating, um, <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I'll give it a eight point seven uh, bird bird nests out of ten. Okay, I've said it before. I don't really get behind number ratings but all i can say is this is also in the top 10 books i read but that's technically only because i've probably only read 10 books (laughs) in my whole life but it's pretty high towards the top too this year we've i mean this year i personally you too because you know we covered it on the podcast but i really liked a clockwork orange one floor of the cuckoo's nest here is really good read the shining this year that's a really good one that's good it's just absolutely a fantastic book and an even better movie. And just when you think it couldn't stop there, the Ratchet Show just really puts a book in. You on know, everything they perfectly. they heard they heard that the Bad Apple Book Club was covering One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and then they said, "Net." Some people at Netflix said we have to coincide with this release of their series coming up. 
because it's going to be so popular that people are going to want to tune in to this. That was actually pretty weird because we've done that with when Lovecraft Country started, we were covering Call of Cthulhu. And then Ratchet comes out when we're covering One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We'll be back next week with part one of Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart, later adapted into Hellraiser. It's going to be our perfect little uh, Halloween series. Um, Very excited to get started on that. Mm -hmm. Like we said, like we said when we announced it, this episode ain't going to be for the moms and grandmas out there. I mean, I can't tell you what to listen to. But you're probably not gonna want to listen to it because it's spicy. in the first, yeah, in the first ten pages of the book, a man has uh, gathered up a jug of his bodily fluids, and he's doing this like weird ritual to get these. I called them sex demons in the last episode, and that's what they are uh, to get these sex demons to come through the void and take him to a place of inexplicable pleasures. Uh, And you're just going to have to come back for that. And I know you will, because you've been listening this far, and I love you for it. Yeah. So thanks. Yep. Yep. Your other host loves it. Loves you guys, too. Thank you for listening, uh, for the support. Um, Much appreciated, as always. Absolutely. And with that, I suppose, thanks for listening, like usual. Um, This has been another Bad Apple Book Club with Lucas Nord. And Cole Lang. Have a good evening, everyone. Yeah, just make make sure to take it easy. trouble with that podcast you call me of course you know oh yeah i can always do nothing with it